In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Yesterday on the church calendar, it was a a fairly obscure feast day. Uh, Unless you happen to be a singer, uh, perhaps they know what yesterday was, or an actor, or someone else who relies on their voice for their livelihood. Um, Yesterday, February 3rd, was the day for commemorating St. Blaise. Blaise was a 4th century bishop and physician in Sebastia, a part of present-day Turkey. And as a doctor, Blaise was known to have a particular gift of healing, especially when it came to objects stuck in the throat, such as a chicken or a fish bone. And there are stories of his walking near someone who had something stuck in their throat, and suddenly they were free of the, of the blockage and they were healed. And so on St. Blaise's Day, many churches offer blessings of the throat. Uh, my old church in Times Square, St. Mary the Virgin, has a particular thing we used to nickname the blazer. And it's meant to look like two candles crossed. And then you light them, and it comes near you and touches your throat right there. And every St. Blaise's Day, we would see people from Broadway and um, a few minor actors and actresses, and people would come to have their throats blessed. One woman who's sung with the Metropolitan Opera for years and years says that she's been in church every day for St. Blaise, and she's never missed a single performance because of throat problems. Go figure. The scriptures talk about healing today. And healing is one of those tricky subjects, isn't it? We all have our own experience or lack of experience relating to healing. I don't know about you, but I grew up with sort of two minds around healing. Um, One was extremely cynical. I saw uh, people on television who were miraculously and suddenly healed And then the minister of healing would follow that quickly by telling you how you too could send $100 or $500 and get a magical uh, prayer handkerchief that would, would enact healing for you too. And so I didn't have a very high opinion of that sort of healing. Also, as a little boy who grew up going to Sunday school and church, I was taught to pray for healing for others. And so, like everyone else, I prayed for uh, grandparents who were sick, um, but they died eventually. I probably prayed for an animal that was sick, and eventually it died. And so while I probably never said anything and, and never articulated anything, I slowly developed my own theology of healing, which basically would say that God was otherwise occupied, <laughs> That God was busy with uh, Syrian refugees and with drought on the subcontinent and and on and on and on. But in terms of my prayers for healing, uh, I best take my medicine, go see the doctor and do the best thing. It's been years later that I've sort of realized how I've not really allowed God to be a part of my prayers for healing. It's been in congregations that I've learned to allow God a little closer. 
We pray for healing in church every Sunday. We pray especially for healing on Wednesday nights in a a smaller Eucharist around the altar. And we invite people to come forward with particular prayers for healing for themselves or for others. Um, We pray for the person. We lay hands on the shoulder or forehead. We anoint with holy oil. And we pray. We pray open-ended prayers. We pray for what we want and hope, but we pray that God's will be done. We take our cue from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said to his father, to God, Take this cup from me, Lord. Nevertheless, your will and not mine. Both parts of the prayer are essential. The honest one that prays for healing, that prays for your cure, that prays for the very best for the person we love or for ourselves, But also that second part that maybe we only come to by faith years later where we can rest in the will and the goodness of God. I have a friend who has her own version of that prayer, that prayer of Jesus, take this cup from me, nevertheless thy will and not mine. Her prayer is, God, please give me fill in the blank, but if not, give me whatever is better. Which is a lovely way, isn't it? Because it says something about her faith that God's will, in the end, will have whatever it is to be better. When we pray for healing, we don't seek to replace the medical doctor. It's a part of it. Our prayers for healing don't make up for eating a balanced diet or getting exercise or generally trying to live a good life. We do all of that. We don't pray for healing out of superstition or out of magic. What we do instead is offer our prayers for healing as a form of sacramental life. Um, it's, It's in full knowledge that somehow God takes what we offer and blesses the combination of prayer and touch and love and makes it into more. That's what Jesus offered. That's what we in his name offer, prayer and touch and love. In today's gospel, it's Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who first of all is healed by Jesus. Notice that he takes her by the hand, he lifts her up, and the fever leaves her. Later that same day, the, the sick and the possessed are brought to Jesus, and those people think have demons. Um, Notice, if you know anything about the history of these times, the sick and the possessed weren't allowed in the interior parts of the synagogue or temple. They were restricted until they got better. These were folks who had run out of options. They didn't have anywhere else to turn. And so they turned to Jesus. And in turning, they found healing. Jesus then continues to heal throughout Galilee in the towns and the synagogues. He prays, he touches, he loves. Prayer is that first part. And prayer in some ways may seem like the easy part, but it's the foundation. And we'll lose our nerve to go further if we don't first ground ourselves in prayer. When I pray for healing, for someone to get better or to be healed, I I try really hard to be honest with God. Um, I do pray what my heart wants to pray, but I also pray that God would do whatever God will do, whether that's better in my mind or not. 
One way I often pray for a person's healing is is less with words and more with images. I simply try to imagine that person in what I think they might look like, full of life, full of health, vibrant and happy and at ease. I let that image be my prayer. And sometimes the image goes places that words can't go. I hold the image of that person in my mind for a minute or two and imagine that person being completely healthy and happy in the presence of God. We offer prayer, but we can also offer touch, especially in our day we're mindful of what is appropriate touch. We don't chase someone down, hugging them for our own purposes. Um, We be careful about that, but we also be mindful that some people go the whole week with no touch. And sometimes a handshake or a welcome hug can be just the thing. And so we go wisely and carefully and lovingly. Jesus healed people from sickness and from demons, but sometimes he healed them from their surroundings, and he healed them by simply moving closer. He healed public reaction to those who who were feared because of their sickness or because they were different or because society had labeled them unclean. I wonder if we ever do that, perhaps subconsciously. We stay away from someone who's desperately ill and we say to ourselves, well, I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And so out of fear of saying the wrong thing, we say nothing and maybe begin to drift in the other direction. We can risk closeness. We can risk proximity. We can risk saying the wrong thing. Jesus moves toward people, always and everywhere. He moves into their neighborhoods, into their homes, into their lives. We're called to follow him in that regard. And so we pray, we we touch when and where appropriate. And with the two, if we're really about healing, then we offer it in the spirit of love. Love can be accepting and warm and and soothing, and, and sometimes it simply needs to be present in calm, quiet ways. Sometimes love is loud and tough and more direct. Sometimes we can think we're being loving and actually we're not helping. We're enabling and allowing someone to wallow in in sort of their own pain. Love always, always, always has to do with the truth. Though we can say the truth in love. Healing, no matter how we think of it, leaves us with questions. It's not as clear as the televangelists would like for it to be. Healing is not as simple as some of the self-help books would have us believe. There's a wonderful movie that was out some years ago with Steve Martin called Leap of Faith. I commend it to you for what it says about healing. In the movie, Steve Martin stars as a traveling faith healer with the wonderful name Jonas Nightingale. Jonas is a complete um, con man. Uh, Jonas and his crew go from town to town like a traveling circus and with cameras that watch the crowd and recording devices and old tricks, they manufacture and manipulate situations so that they appear to be spontaneous acts of healing. Then they count their money and they move on to the next town. 
And so in each town, they show up and all week long, they build the hype for what will be this great night of healing and helpfulness. They move into this one particular town, Rustwater, Kansas. And like the name suggests, it's a place that's suffering from drought. And so the people are already saying their prayers and hoping for God's presence. They need water. They need rain. Also, people have their own particular problems. And so there's enormous excitement as Jonas and his team come to town and offer miracles and offer the promise of a revival. As Jonas gets to know some of the people around that town, things get complicated. He gets to know a young woman and likes her and so begins to kind of second guess what he's doing there. And then he gets to know a young man. We're not really sure what has happened to him other than a a car accident along the way. And he can only walk with great labor and pain with crutches and braces. And so throughout this time, he especially is looking forward to this big revival. The night of the revival comes and Jonas does his normal thing of, with, um, with ear, earphones and, and, um, and, and microphones and messages. The, the selected people are suddenly healed and the crowd roars. And then Jonas closes his act. Another good show. He'll count his money and leave town. But this young man, the, the crippled young man, Boyd, he says, wait, there's one more. Heal me. And Jonas ignores him because he knows he can't heal this young man. And the kid keeps persisting. He says, no, 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 heal me. And then the crowd gets behind him. One more, one more, one more, they chant. And finally, Jonas can't escape. And so he has to sort of be confronted by this kid. And so the kid moves up to him, touches the crucifix, and all of a sudden the kid's crutches fall away. He's able to stand on his own strength. He cheers, the crowd cheers, it's a miracle, he's healed. And Jonas is furious. He suspects that the kid has outconned him. He assumes that the kid maybe wasn't crippled anyway, and so has just shown him up to be the failure that he is. And so he confronts the kid afterwards and says, how dare you steal my thunder, steal my show? The kid says, I don't know what you're talking about. Thank you for healing me. The Steve Martin character, Jonas, says, I didn't heal you. I can't heal anybody. I can't do anything. And Boyd says, well, whether you did it or not, I'm healed. And thank you. The story continues, and Boyd wants to follow this healing circus to the next town. And the Steve Martin character doesn't know what to think. Here he is. He knows he has nothing to offer. He's a complete shyster, a complete scam. And yet, what happened with this kid? And so Jonas decides to leave town, leave the healing ministry, leave the whole thing behind. And so he hitches a ride, and and as he's rolling out of town in a truck, a thunderstorm comes. It raises all sorts of questions of the power of prayer, the power of suggestion, uh, the power of desire, um, the brokenness of the person through whom healing comes. It doesn't answer any questions, but it simply um, asks questions in new ways. That story is fictitious and it's embellished with all that Hollywood can throw in. 
But it leaves me with those old questions. How are healing and prayer connected? Does one's moral character have anything to do with it or not? Does the faith of the individual have anything to do with it or not? These are questions we live out. These are questions we pray out as we continue to offer prayer and touch and love, as we accept prayers from others, as we move in the presence and the power of Christ. The next few weeks offer us other Gospels and other scriptures that give windows into healing. And in the weeks ahead, we'll be talking about ways that we might deepen our own experience of God's healing in this parish. Um, A number of you were a part of an intercessory prayer group before. We'd like to resurrect that again. Um, We continue to offer our Wednesday night service for prayers. And we'll open ourselves to the Spirit to see how God's healing might be let loose even more powerfully among us and within us and in spite of us. With the help of St. Blaise and all the saints, may we be healed through Jesus, the great physician, and may we share this healing with the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.